All right, welcome back to the listener's commentary on Paul's letter to the Romans. We are in the second major section of the book of Romans that began in Romans chapter 5. And in this session, we're going to be looking specifically at Romans 7, 1 through 6. But because this is part of that section that began clear back in chapter 5, let's just zoom out for a second and make sure we understand the bigger context. Then we'll look at the immediate context. Then we'll look at the details of the text, all right? So the bigger context, Romans chapter 5, ended with Paul comparing the work of Jesus and Adam, right? He's comparing how what Adam achieved or what happened as a result of Adam compares and contrasts with what Jesus achieved. In that context, at the very end of chapter 5, Paul says, The law came in so that transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. And that verse there, 520, hints at this idea that somehow the law, meaning the Old Testament law, was tied up with sin and transgression. That somehow it became an accomplice to sin and transgression. That somehow the law worked with increasing transgression. Well, here in chapter 7, Paul now is going to detail how that's the case. So chapter 7 focuses on this idea of the law increasing transgression, and Paul's going to help us understand that in some sort of maybe mysterious way that we don't fully grasp, the law was an unwitting accomplice to sin and death. All right, so that's the broader context. Let's zoom in and look at the more immediate context, which could easily be lost because of the chapter break. And that's unfortunate. The chapter break between chapter 6 and 7 should really have never been there because chapter 7, 1 through 6, is still part of Paul's answer to the question that he rhetorically asked in 6.15. Remember, we've said in chapter 6 and 7, Paul is playing question and answer. And in order to understand the answer, you have to make sure you pay attention to the question. Well, the question Paul is still answering in 7, 1 through 6 is this. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? May it never be. That's 6.15. And so Paul is still dealing with that question here in what we're going to talk about in this section, which is 7, 1 through 6. And that's obvious because 7, 1 begins with the word or. If your translation doesn't have the word or, like say you're reading the NIV, they've deleted the word or. should have never been deleted because that helps us see that Paul is still continuing the same discussion that he was having at the end of chapter 6. And so, we're still addressing this question of why it is that sin's not going to be master over us because the law's no longer in charge. So 6, 16 through 23 is part one of his explanation of that. And here, 7, 1 through 6 is part two of his explanation of that as he helps us understand how being set free from the law also helps us be set free from sin. So let's jump in then into chapter 7, 1 through 6, and look at the details of how Paul further explains this. He says in 7, 1, Or do you not know, brethren, for I'm speaking to those who know the law, 
that the law has jurisdiction over a person as long as he lives. This point is going to then be detailed in what follows, helping us realize that we have experienced a death, and that death included a death to the law. That's where he's going. But here he just makes a very simple point that the law only has power and authority over a person as long as that person is alive. Paul then is going to use an analogy in verses 2 and 3 to help flesh out that point. He uses the analogy of marriage. Let's read what he says in this analogy. He says, For the married woman is bound by the law to her husband while he is living. Right? The law only has jurisdiction while a person is alive. So the married woman is bound by law to her husband while he's living. But if her husband dies... She's released from the law concerning her husband. So if her husband's alive, she is bound by law to stay married to him and be faithful to him. If he dies, she's released from that law. Paul draws out the implication in verse 3. He says, So then, if while her husband is living, she's joined to another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she's free from the law, which is the point Paul wants to draw our attention to. That's why he restates it. She's free from the law, so she's not an adulteress, even if she's joined to another man. And so the point of the analogy is that death releases a person from the marriage bond and frees her to marry somebody else. Now, in the context of what Paul is, is saying about Jesus, the law, sin, and all that, the major thing to focus on here in this analogy is this idea of free from the law, that death in, uh, enables someone to be free from the law. Now, Paul's going to then go on in verses 4 and following and draw out the implications for his argument about this death. And it's not a one-to-one -one parallel, so don't get lost in that, but the, the overall point is still clear, Okay. So he goes on and says in verses 4 through 6 this. Here's the implication that he makes. He says, in a nutshell, So we too died to the law, died to the Old Testament law, the Torah. So we too died to the law so that we could be joined to Christ. That's essentially the point he wants to make from this analogy. Let's read what he says in verses 4 and following. He says, uh, therefore, drawing out the implication from the analogy, therefore, my brethren, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ. Um, he seems to be alluding to, through the body of Christ, to the death, Jesus' uh, death on the cross. That seems to be what he's alluding to because of the whole idea of dying and all that. He's actually going to talk about Jesus rising from the dead. Um, oftentimes when Paul talks about the body of Christ, he's talking about his broken body, right? And so that seems to be what he's alluding to. Therefore, my brethren, you were also made to die to the law through the body of Christ. So there's our death to the law so that you might be joined to another. So just in the analogy is the woman, because of the, de the, the death of the husband, she's free from the law. Well, we were released from the law or died to the law through the body of Christ so we could be joined to another. Paul specifies who he has in mind. Uh, who's the another? Well, it's him who was raised from the dead, namely Jesus. So we died to the law so that we could be joined to Jesus who was raised from the dead. 
with the result that, so that you might bear fruit for God. So the result of this death to the law and being joined to Jesus is that we actually can bear fruit for God the way God intended, right? Now, why does he say that? Well, remember, he's answering this question about um, that how we're not supposed to continue in sin because we're under grace and not the law. And you have to have that broader context in mind to understand what Paul is thinking of. That's why we went back and looked at chapter 5, the broader context of somehow the law actually caused transgression and sin to increase. And so by being released from the law and joined to Jesus, we're now actually able to bear fruit for God. Then Paul goes on in verses 5 and 6 and really details the implications further. And note this, verses 5 and 6 really become the springboard for the rest of chapter 7 all the way into chapter 8. In fact, verse 5 is really amplified in 7, 7 through 25, and verse 6 is amplified in chapter 8, verses 1 and following, all right? So these verses then are things that Paul is going to flesh out, detail out, draw out in the ensuing paragraphs. Let's read them. He says, For while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. But now something's changed, right? This releasing from the law, joining to Jesus, leads to a new state of affairs for us. But now... We have been released from the law, having died to that by which we were bound, so that we now serve in the newness of the Spirit, not in the oldness of the letter. All right, let's work through that a little bit. Verses 5 and 6, he's explaining this idea of why it is being released from the law leads to bearing fruit for God. And he explains in verse 5, 4, notice that, that logical connection, for while we were in the flesh. Oh man, that's an important phrase. We'll explain that a little bit further here in a little bit. But while we were in the flesh suggests we're not anymore. Notice past tense. When we were in the flesh, which forces us to think through what does it mean by flesh? And he doesn't just mean your body because obviously you're still in your body. Uh, so Hang on to that because I want to actually do a whole separate section here just on what Paul means by flesh versus spirit and in a little bit, all right? So hang on to that. But Paul's point is flesh here means something more than just your physical body. It refers to your fallenness as a human being. And there was a time when that's what controlled you, when you were in the flesh, but you're not anymore. You're not in the flesh. You're not driven by that or marked by that. That's really important. More on that in a second. This is what happened when we when that was the case for us. The sinful passions which were aroused by the law, that in some sense the law stirred up our sinful passions. Paul's going to explain how that's the case in 7, 7 through 12. So we'll we'll talk more about that in our next session. But just note here that somehow the law gave power to sinful passions. All right. And the result of that, he says, they, they were at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. That's why being released from the law has now led to a new state of affairs where we can bear fruit for God. When we were under the law and in the flesh, we bore fruit for death. 
But verse 6 now says there's a new state of affairs on the scene. But now, at this present time, now that we're in Christ, we've been released from the law, the Old Testament law, having died to that by which we are bound. So by coming into Christ, not only did we die to sin, as he said in chapter 6, 1 through 11, but we also died to the law, died to that by which we are bound, so that we now serve in the newness of the Spirit, not in the oldness of the letter. That is the big change. We're not in the flesh. We are in the Spirit. And because we're now in and of the Spirit, we actually bear fruit for God. We can live a different kind of life. Now, Paul is going to explain, as I said, verse 5 more fully in the rest of chapter 7, and he's going to explain verse 6 more fully in chapter 8, all right? And so we'll, we'll look at these verses and the theology in these verses more in detail in the sections to come. Just make sure we get the point here that by virtue of entering into Christ, we have been set free from the law, which also has the effect of setting us free from the flesh so that we can serve God in the Spirit, and that's why now we actually can bear fruit for God, which is why now that we're under grace and not the law, we shall not sin anymore. That was the question that set up all of this in chapter 6, verse 15, right? The question was, shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? May it never be. Why not? Well, part 1, chapter 6, 16 through 23 is... Because you're really a slave to that which you obey, either sin resulting in death or righteousness resulting in life. And then chapter 7, verse 1 through 6, which is part 2 of the answer is, and you've been released from the law, you've been joined to Jesus, now you have the Spirit, so you can actually bear fruit for God. And so we have been set free from both the law and we've been set free from sin so that we can bear fruit for God. So to wrap up this session, let me just give kind of a preliminary implication, a preliminary reflection, because Paul's got to explain all this a whole lot more in the following paragraphs, all right? So we'll have to look at more detail and keep learning with Paul as we go. But by way of sort of a preliminary implication and reflection, let me say this, that entering into Christ changes us so deeply and fundamentally, according to Paul, that he says, we're not the same person anymore. Prior to coming into Christ, we were in the flesh, but now we are in the Spirit. That's a fundamental major change in the essence of our humanity, with the result, Paul says, is that we can actually now bear fruit for God. And so our preliminary implication is this, is that you are not the same kind of person you were prior to coming into Christ. God didn't just forgive you, right? God didn't just free you from the penalty of sin. Uh, what Paul has been arguing in chapter 6 and continuing here into chapter 7 is God freed you from the power of sin so much so that now you can actually do the things that God wants you to do in a way you couldn't previously. Now, we're going to have to look at more detail on what that means. We're going to have to wrestle more fully with what Paul is saying. But the point Paul is making is there has been a fundamental change in your makeup. Now you're in the Spirit, and you can bear fruit for God. 